0: Pentecost, this is number two of a three-part series of the great feasts of the Bible. It is a foretaste of heaven and earth reunited. Let us pray. Our loving Father which art in heaven, <coughs> our hearts are thrilled with the atonement of Pentecost. This is number two of a three part series of the great feasts of the Bible. A foretaste of heaven and earth reunited. Let us pray. Our loving Father, which art in heaven, our hearts have been thrilled with the atonement that Christ made for us on the cross as we learned in our study of the Feast of the Pentecost, of Passover. But being human, we long to know more of the saving plans of salvation. So grant us this blessing as we discover how heaven and earth We're reunited at Pentecost. And we thank you for this wonderful truth. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin with one of the most heartwarming, emotional, and stimulating texts that I've ever read in the scriptures. It is found in John twenty verse 17. Jesus said unto Mary, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. May these wonderful words be riveted in our minds so that they become unforgettable, for they tell us that we are a part of the family of God and we need such assurance in the coming time of trouble. Let us begin this study with the typical sanctuary service of ancient Israel. It was customary for the high priest to lay aside his pontifical robes and officiate in the white linen of an ordinary priest. So, likewise, the Son of God came down to this earth and laid aside his royal robes and garbed himself with humanity to offer himself as a ransom for you and me. Speaking of this, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5-7, Christ our Passover, sacrificed for us. Why? To fulfill the requirements of the Passover. Christ became the priest, and the victim. It was thus that he made an atonement for our sins. But in God's great blueprint for complete salvation, he foresaw the need for yet some additional steps in order to restore man to his rightful place. The atonement provided only for forgiveness of past sins, but sin had also separated humanity from Christ. Something must be done to reunite man with his creator. Therefore, God devised further steps so that this could be accomplished. And if such detailed plans were followed precisely, this would make it possible for finite man to to comprehend how heaven and earth, now separated, could be reunited in oneness. So please put on your thinking caps and follow me closely. Immediately following the yearly Passover Sabbath comes the first day of the week. Concerning this we read in Leviticus 25, verses 5 and and 9 to 11, in the fourteenth day of the first month, at even, is the Lord's Passover. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. Jesus fulfilled this requirement of the wave sheaf. You remember the Passover lamb was scheduled to die during the Passover. The Lamb was to be slain on Friday at the ninth hour, but it escaped when the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And at that precise time, Christ, the true Lamb of God, died on Calvary. Then, during the Sabbath hours, he lay in the sleep of death in the tomb. So, on the first day, he must present the wave sheaf offering. For every divine prediction in the scripture must be fulfilled, since Christ was the antitype of the wave sheep, He became the first fruits by his resurrection. Thus, he was able to comply with the stipulations which were laid down by God in the laws of Moses a thousand years before. Now let us see how this was accomplished by Christ. The first sheaf of grain was to be presented on the first day following the Passover Sabbath, and not until this was presented could the harvest be gathered. Now consider with me what actually took place early the first day of the week after the crucifixion. We meet at the tomb. It is still dark. The great stone covering the tomb's entrance is still in place. The Roman seal unbroken. Around the tomb... Stands the Roman guards, joined by a host of evil angels. But look more closely through d- divine perception, and you will see a heavenly host surrounding the sepulchre. Matthew then tells us I'm reading Matthew 28 too. There was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. This is the same angel that took the place of Lucifer in heaven before he sinned. Instantly, all the evil angels flee and the soldiers fall as dead men. This mighty angel rolls away the stone as it would a pebble. And remember, that stone was at least six feet in diameter. Then he cries, Son of God, come forth. Thy Father calls thee. Immediately, Christ comes forth from the tomb as the angelic hosts sing with great joy, Thou hath vanquished Satan and the power of darkness. Thou hast swallowed up death in victory. Desire of Ages 780. But something else happened as Christ arose. Another startling event has also taken place. For the earthquake has opened a multitude of other graves. Individuals arise from these graves who had given their lives as a testimony to God's truth. These resurrected saints are the Savior's trophies of victory over the power of death. No longer are they captives of Satan, for they are now redeemed, brought forth from the grave as first fruits of the end-time resurrection. Please remember that Christ had raised the dead many times while he was here on earth. For example, there was the son of the widow of Nain and the ruler's little daughter. Then there was Lazarus, who had died and was buried three days. But each of these was still subject to death, for they must die again. But these resurrected saints, who arose when Christ arose, would never die. They were raised to everlasting life. Now, shortly after the event had taken place, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Can you imagine her amazement? to discover that the tomb was empty? She fears someone has stolen the body of Jesus. Let me read this to you from the scriptures, John twenty thirteen to 17. And the angel said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had said, said this, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and said unto him, Riboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Did you comprehend those unforgettable words of Christ? I ascend to my Father, and your Father, to my God, and your God. This could mean nothing more than talking about being a part of the family of God. Something is about to occur that will make this possible. Something that will reunite heaven and earth. And what is this wonder? Christ is about to ascend to heaven where he will present himself to the Father as the wave sheaf the symbol of the first resurrected life of a great harvest to come. Immediately, Jesus leaves Mary in the garden and goes to heaven. This is why Jesus tells Mary, who is about to embrace his feet in worship, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. On this resurrection morning, Christ ascended to heaven for the express purpose to conduct a brief visit with the Father in heaven, presenting himself as the wave sheath. Apparently, travel in time, in space, is no problem with deity. One moment, Jesus is talking to Mary, and the next moment, he is presenting himself to the Father in heaven, himself the first fruit of the eternal resurrection. In this private meeting with the Father, the assurance is given that Christ's sacrifice has been accepted by God Almighty. In Desire of Ages 790 we read, Christ ascended to the heavenly courts, and from God himself heard the assurance that his atonement for the sins of men had been ample, and that through his blood all might gain eternal life. The Father ratified the covenant made with Christ, that he would receive repentant and obedient men and would love them even as he loved his son praise God no sooner had this short visit been accomplished with his father that Christ immediately returns to this earth during his absence other women have arrived at the tomb now listen closely desire of ages 793 after he had ascended to the father jesus appeared to the other women saying all hail and they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him then said jesus unto them be not afraid go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now the time had arrived when he can assure the disciples that he has fulfilled his pledge, which you read in Isaiah 13, 12, to make a man more precious than fine gold. For he sends word by these women to his disciples that they are to meet him in Galilee where he will instruct them for forty days. Acts 1.3 To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. But there was also to be a period, including the 40 days, which would be 50 days, 10 days more, that must take place before the next great event, which the scripture calls Pentecost. It will be at this coming event that the covenant will be ratified with Christ and his church. Why must this be? Has Christ already died for an atonement? Yes. Has Christ arisen in victory over death? Yes. Has He already presented the wave sheaf to His Father? Yes. And His Father not only accepted this wave sheaf, but also has given full approval approval of what He has done. Yes. Then why must there be a Pentecost? Because something more is needed. The Church of God must be given divine power to give the gospel to the entire world, and this cannot take place until two additional wave loaves are presented to God the Father. Every divine stipulation given in Scripture must be carried out in the plan of salvation. Let me read it. Leviticus 23, 15 to 17. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves of two-tenths deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. Now what do these two loaves of bread literally represent these verses draw our attention to what's special to a special group of saints who arose with Christ on the resurrection morn they represent the family of God on earth and they must be reunited with the heavenly family for they are the pledge of assurance, that the resurrection of all the righteous will take place when Christ comes the second time. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. For if ye believe that Jesus died and arose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So, as Christ arose from the tomb, he brought forth a multitude of captives from the grave. These were to go into the city of Jerusalem and declare to the honest of heart that Christ had indeed risen from the dead and that they were living proof for they arose with Christ. Why was this necessary? For several reasons. The priests, had paid the soldiers, who had personally witnessed the resurrection, to spread a lying report. Say ye, said the priest, his disciples came by night, and stole him away while we slept. And furthermore, the Sadducees had for centuries prepared the people under the direction of Satan, to believe that there was no such thing as a resurrection. But God never leaves an honest soul in doubt. So, for forty days, while Christ prepares his disciples to preach the gospel in all the world, these risen saints go from person to person in Jerusalem, proving beyond a doubt that Jesus arose from the dead, for they declared, Christ is risen, we be risen with him. Desire of ages 7:86. Thus prophecy was fulfilled of Isaiah 26:19: "Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise. The earth shall cast out her dead. But more than this, they are to be given giving, given assurance to us who are alive today that God always keeps his promise that we soon shall witness a coming resurrection. First Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Desire of Ages 787 adds, Thus will it be when the voice of Christ shall be heard from heaven. That voice will penetrate the graves and unbar the tombs and the dead in Christ shall arise. At the Savior's resurrection, a few graves were open, but at his second coming, all the precious dead shall hear his voice and shall come forth to glorious, immortal life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead will raise his church and glorify it with him above all principalities above all powers above every name that is named not only in this world but also in the world to come unquote. so christ spends 40 days with his disciples before returning to heaven with his trophies he also knows that Time is needed in heaven to prepare for a glorious homecoming. And his disciples will also need time to prepare for heaven's overflow of this great celebration by being united in prayer. At which time heaven will bestow the Holy Spirit in its fullness, ratifying the covenant with his church. Let us consider this step by step. Jesus, the divine counselor, is about to return victoriously to heaven's court with his trophies. For 40 days he has authenticated to his disciples that he is their living saviour, No longer must he be associated with the tomb. Now they must think of him as glorified before the heavenly universe. Jesus chooses the spot for his ascension. It will be the Mount of Olives, upon which his feet will again rest at the close of the millennium when Jesus brings the new Jerusalem to this earth. As Jesus bids his disciples goodbye, he slowly ascends from among his disciples and he speaks the last promise, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew twenty-eight twenty. As his disciples watch, a cloud of glory hides Jesus from their sight. As the chariots of angels receive the Saviour, and carry him up, the air is filled with the sweetest music, as the angel choirs sing. Two angels in the form of man speak, as we find in Acts one eleven, which said, "Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven?" This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. These are the very same two angels who were sent to guard the tomb at the resurrection. And they had also been his personal bodyguard during his life on this earth. Now they long to welcome Jesus in the clouds, but in love for his disciples they remained to give the disciples comfort. Meanwhile, the multitude of captives who arose with Christ at his resurrection have now joined with their Savior in the clouds. They will accompany Jesus to heaven. As he returns to the Father. These risen saints. Are the. For an example. Of what will happen. When the second coming takes place. This is what Paul was explaining. In Ephesians 4.8. When Jesus ascended up on high. He led captivity captive. As Jesus ascends with his trophies. All heaven is astir in preparation to welcome the Savior. Jesus leads the way. The multitude of his captives follow him. And the escorting angels cry out, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. For the King of glory shall come in and heaven's sentinels respond as we read in Psalms 24 8 who is this king of glory the Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle back comes the words of praise lift up your heads o ye gates even lift them up ye everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Will you look with me at this mighty reception? Heaven's gates swing wide open as Moses opens the gates of the city of God. And the angelic throng sweeps sweeps through the city of God. Amid rapturous music. In the center of Jerusalem stands the mighty throne, encircled by the rainbow. Countless sons of God, the representatives of the unfallen worlds, eagerly wait to celebrate Christ's triumphant return, and billions of unfallen angels also are in that assembly this is the same heavenly council before which Lucifer had accused God and the son these are the representatives of the sinless worlds over which Satan had thought to establish his dominion all are eager to celebrate the triumph of their king but wait Christ waves them back as he enters the throne. I'm reading Desire of Ages 8:34. Not yet. He cannot now receive the coronet of glory and the royal robe. He enters into the presence of his Father. He points to his wounded head, the pierced side, the marred feet. He lifts his hands bearing the prints of the nails. And now notice what takes place. He points to the tokens of his triumph. He presents to God the wave sheaf. What's this? Those who were raised with him as the representatives of the great multitude who shall come forth from the graves at his second coming, unquote. Watch as Christ approaches the Father. Sense the joy as God beholds the saints who have been resurrected and presented as trophies. Recall the pledge of God the Father and Christ the Son, which took place before sin entered the universe. Recall the covenant promised to redeem sinners. Listen once again to Christ's cry on the cross. It is finished. Now watch as Christ then presents His trophies to the Father, one by one, and then He pleads, as I read in John seventeen twenty four, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. And so it takes place. The compact is finally finished. Exactly as Pentecost had predicted a thousand years before, God responds, Justice is satisfied. Satan is forever vanquished. Glory to God! Now Christ's struggling children are accepted in the beloved, for where Christ is, there his church is also. Because mercy and peace have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Psalms 85.10 Behold the arms of the Father as they encircle his Son and now he gives the command as we read in Hebrews one-six. Let all the angels of God worship him. In Desire of Ages 6.34 With joy unutterable rulers and principalities and powers acknowledge the supremacy of the prince of life the angel hosts prostrate themselves before him while the glad shouts fill the courts of heaven worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessings. Revelations five twelve. Praise God, love has conquered. Listen to the songs of triumph filling the air as music from the angels' harps strike a higher note. Finally, the lost have been found. Revelation 5.13, And every creature is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessed and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, unto the Lamb forever and ever. Words cannot possibly express such joy. Here is the fulfillment of our text in which Jesus said, Say unto my brethren, I go unto my God and your God. The family on earth is now united with the heavenly family from which it was once separated by sin. Now they are united as one. The celebration of heaven spills over down to this very earth, for this is Pentecost. It has finally arrived, Acts 2, 1-4, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly... So, the Savior is now accepted by the universe. The saving gospel is now beyond question. Believers in Christ will never die, they will only sleep until Jesus comes. Now, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, fills the hearts of each disciple on earth, and a Spirit led church marches to victory. Revelation 6, 1 and 2. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. When we speak of Pentecost, our memories should recall that Calvary's atonement had been accepted that the enemy death had been defeated that Christ had ascended with his risen saints assuring of a final resurrection which is soon to take place but above all Pentecost assures us that we are now one with Christ and the joy of heaven's Pentecost should be our daily experience. Since Jesus is coming soon, we can repeat the words of Christ with authority, which he spoke long ago. I ascend unto my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. For the family of earth is finally united with the family of heaven at Pentecost. And the joy of Pentecost should be our Pentecostal daily experience. Let us pray. Our Father, our God, of what a privilege to be a member of the family of God, to freely speak to God as our Father, to feel the fellowship of Jesus, to know that the Holy Spirit dwells within our heart. Praise be thy name. We shall soon be together as a family in heaven because the resurrected saints at Christ's resurrection who are our representatives are already in heaven in the family of God. Amen. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow Olá